Hello, everybody. My name is Amy Laughlin, and I'm from our Oak Ridge location, and it is a true honor to be with all of you today. So there is a people group that live primarily in, in Alaska, in the Arctic region, and they are known as the Inuits. Well, as you can imagine, for this culture, their temperatures pretty much run from cold to colder. And so I find it fascinating that in the Inuit language that they have over 30 words that mean snow, 30 different variations of the word snow. Well, if you think about it, it really does make perfect sense because their lives are so intimately intertwined with this element. It very well could come down to a life or death situation for them. They have to be that specific in their communication in regards to snow. Well, you contrast that with what we have been talking about in this series, and specifically our English language, and really how inefficient it is in communicating and expressing love. Because yes, on, on any given day, I could tell someone that I love avocado, but I also tell my husband every day that I love him. Same word, two very different meanings. So yeah, we could choose to just be frustrated by that, that our English language feels that inept, but maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that it's that way because we can't rely on it as a crutch because really love isn't meant to be expressed through our verbal communication alone. No, it's meant to be expressed through our behavior, through our actions with each other. That is what love looks like. And it's exactly what we have been learning together through this series, Love First. If you happen to have missed the previous messages from weeks one or two, I just want to encourage you to go back at some point and catch up on those because what we're gonna be learning about and discovering together today really builds upon those couple of messages. Last week, Pastor Jonathan gave a fantastic message about forgiveness and the power that love has to heal our past. Today, we're focusing on love in the present. Love in the here and now. What does it look like when we choose to put love first in our everyday circumstances? Well, before we step into some of those practicalities together, I think it's important for us first to make sure that we are on the same page in regards to how important love is. Because just like snow is intimately intertwined in the Inuit culture, I believe the same is true for love when it comes to us. At least it should be. Well, I think there are so many different scriptures that we could jump into to support this. But I wanna take some time today in, some, in a passage from the Apostle Paul. He wrote a letter to the early Christians that had formed in the city of Corinth as an opportunity and an encouragement to, to bring unity to this new early church body and to make sure that they were on the right path to follow Jesus. And about three-fourths of the way or so into this letter, he really brings it home into a foundation of what love is for them. And I love the way he starts this off. Here's how he started. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth, now, I Googled that, y'all. There are 7,000 languages. Can you imagine if you could speak 7,000 languages fluently and of angels? I Googled that and got nowhere, but I'm sure it's even more than 7,000. <laughs> but 
If I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He goes on. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I could understood, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possess all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. He continues, if I gave all that I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. See, Paul here is explaining that no matter what his greatest goals, his greatest aspirations are, even if he were to able to attain them, if he does not love along the way, it's all for nothing. That is the importance of love. And I, I know the temptation here. The temptation is to just kind of gloss over these words, but I want us to pause for just a second because it's easy for us to just think, well, of course, he's the apostle Paul. He would say that. But what would it sound like if you wrote that paragraph? What would it sound like if you wrote something similar? In other words, what would be your greatest aspiration? Even if it's not realistic, because really Paul's list wasn't realistic either, but what would it sound like? Maybe for you, it's to climb to the top of the corporate ladder or become a giant in your industry. Maybe it's to launch a successful nonprofit that changes the world or foster 100 kids in a lifetime. Maybe for you, it's even to discover or develop the cure for cancer. What might it look like for you? And then think about the years, the time, the energy, the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears that it would take, that you would pour into to attain such an aspiration. And what Paul wants us to realize is that even if we were somehow to manage to be able to achieve that goal, if we do not love others along the way, it is all for nothing. That is the importance of love. And that is the foundation that I want us to then build upon from from here. Because we're gonna continue on into Paul's letter. Because at this point, he moves right along and to his attempt to answer the incredibly difficult question of what is love? So we now know how important it is, how foundational is it? So Paul attempts to explain it to us, what does love look like? And he begins this way. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. When I first hear this, this sentence, then I, I get this image of someone who is able to wait in a long grocery store line without getting too, too grumpy or irritable, um, even if they're in a hurry, right? Okay, yes, that is patience and that is kindness. But I think Paul wants us to take it deeper here. I think when I imagine what patience truly looks like, it's recognizing that every single one of us is on a journey. Patience means, hey, I see you on your journey and I'm gonna meet you where you are without pushing or pulling or prodding you along, but respectfully, lovingly, kindly, just meeting you where you are and then walking along together. Love is patient and kind. 
I think it's interesting that, that Paul gives us just two words that love is, and now he shifts his language a little bit and starts to explain to us what love is not. So he goes on to show that love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love, it does not demand its own way. No, it's that, that you before me posture, that you before me attitude is love. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. Love doesn't carry around a scorecard for everybody. Paul goes on. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, if all of this isn't challenging enough as it is, Paul now decides to raise the bar even higher on us by bringing in these words of absolute. So check this out. He wraps this, this piece up by saying that love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance, every circumstance. So yeah, I can look back at this list and it feels quite intimidating. It feels really unattainable to me. So let's take a little bit of time and simplify it. Let's, let's break it down. And let's start with that very first line, that, that love is patient and kind. I feel like I learned this lesson several years ago when I was in college. I suddenly found myself in a position where my world had been turned upside down. My mom had just passed away from a sudden heart attack. And a couple of weeks later or so, I was back in Raleigh, back in, for college and trying to figure out what my life was gonna look like at this point. I was out driving and I was coming out of a parking lot and I pulled right out in front of somebody. Not so bad that we almost had an accident, but it was enough to be annoying. And so I realized that. And as soon as I did, I threw my hand up to try to apologize and wave. And the driver whipped around beside of me and, and I glanced over and y'all, she was letting me have it. I mean, she was yelling at me, she was screaming. She was giving me some hand gestures that made it very obvious just how mad she was at me. But I remember that feeling of just being so caught off guard and just disappointed. Because I know in that moment I was just desperate for a reminder that there was still good in the world. And I get it, I know that's a lot of pressure to put on a stranger, but I couldn't help but feel like if she had any idea, if she knew any idea of what I was going through right now, I really don't think she would have screamed at me like that. But really, really my lesson came a little further down the road when it occurred to me that this goes both ways. I had no idea what she was going through that day. I don't know, maybe she was actually in the darkest season of her life as well. And that's when it hit me. We never know exactly what someone else is going through, especially in these, these quick encounters that we have with people on a daily basis. But isn't it easier? Isn't it easier to express love and patience and kindness with another person when we do know a little bit about their story? So maybe, maybe love in the present 
is simply choosing to go ahead and treat others as if we did, as if we already knew a little bit about their story, even when we don't. And that tells me, in order to be patient, in order to recognize and meet someone where they are, we can't lean back. We cannot distance ourselves from others. We cannot stiff arm each others, each other. That tells me that when we choose to put love first in the present, that that means that love chooses to lean in. Love leans in to someone else's story. It's the only way to meet them where they are. And when we think about love this way, then the possibilities become endless. And that's the beauty of it. Yes, maybe our English language is limited when it comes to expressing love, but when we do so this way, when we remember that love leans in, then the opportunities become infinite. Think about that. Maybe it's in times of celebration. Someone that you know is celebrating something, even if, maybe especially when, that person has received or achieved something that you have been praying for for yourself. Because remember, love is not jealous. And I have become convinced that the antidote to jealousy is to celebrate, to lean in and celebrate the mess out of somebody. So maybe it's a coworker that has achieved that promotion that you had actually been wanting or hoping for. Seniors, maybe, maybe your best friend got into the college of her dreams and yet you got deferred to yours. Maybe for another, it's your friend has gotten engaged and yet you are struggling with loneliness. Love pushes past that jealousy. Love still chooses to lean in with encouragement and affirmation. Says, hey, I see you. I am celebrating you. I'm so excited for you. And I cannot wait to see what God has for you in this journey. You have what it takes. Love leans into those celebrations. Oh, this is especially true when it comes to parenting. Imagine, imagine your little girl comes up to you and she says, hey, I am so excited. I've decided what I wanna be when I grow up. She says, I wanna be a singer. Well, you know that she can't carry a tune in a bucket, but this is not the time to tell her that. Okay, nor is it the time to sign her up for American Idol either, but love leans in to where she is in that moment and connects with her heart, opens up a conversation of just, hey, honey, tell me, what do you think you would enjoy about that? What, what's your favorite kind of music? Love uses that as an opportunity to open up a door of conversation. Oh, it's so true too when it comes to those difficult parenting moments as well. Maybe your teenager has just made a royal mistake. Love chooses to still lean in lean in and connect with him and his shame and his disappointment and his frustration, his fears. Love still leans in and reminds him, hey buddy, I want to tell you and remind you that there is nothing, not even this, nothing that you can do that can make me love you less or more. And we're gonna figure this out together. Love leans in to parenting. That's where love has that opportunity. It either opens a door of conversation 
as opposed to closing one. And boy, love certainly leans in during those difficult seasons, those challenges that that are going on all around us. Maybe it's someone in your group that has lost a loved one or someone that you know that has lost a job and is seeking right now. Maybe, Maybe for you, it's someone that you know that is going through a difficult separation or some type of betrayal or a health, a scary health diagnosis. Love leans in, love connects with each other in the darkest of circumstances and carries us through. I really saw this play out last year. Actually coming up on almost a year ago now, on March 1st, of 2020, a dear friend of mine named Dana was at a lake house with some other friends. And they walked down to the dock to see the stars a little bit better. And when they did, somehow Dana slipped, it was, it was wet, and her feet just literally flew out from underneath her and she fell back pretty hard. And she landed on her back, on her side, and just hit Uh, just a a small post that was sticking up on the side of the dock. Well, it didn't take too long before her husband, Jim, and the friends that were with him realized that she was in some need of medical attention. And so she was taken by an ambulance to an area hospital. And after some, some scans and some exams there, they realized that her trauma was too great to keep her there. And so before long, she was being airlifted to Baptist Hospital in Winston-Salem. And shortly after that, our group text started going off. There are seven couples in this group. And before you knew it, we were all converged right there in the waiting room of Baptist Hospital with Jim and waiting until Dana was out of surgery to find out exactly what had happened. And honestly, we were stunned. We could not believe the extent of her injuries just from a simple fall, but Dana had four broken ribs, a punctured and collapsed lung. She had a punctured stomach, diaphragm, and liver, and she had extensive damage to both her small and large intestines. And when it was all said and done, she had 32 staples going down her abdomen. When Dana was in the ICU room right after surgery and Jim was sitting beside her, my friends and I gathered outside of her ICU room and prayed. And on day six, luckily, Dana was released from the hospital. But with weeks and months of a recovery in front of her, but this group rallied around her, rallied around this family, not just our group, but friends from their neighborhood and church and community rallied around and supported this family. We made sure that there was always a meal for them, that her house was clean, that someone was sitting beside Dana at any given moment, especially during the first several days of her recovery when she could barely get out of a chair. We made sure that Jim took a shower and got some rest, that the kids got to school on time and their appointments and, and sporting events on time. This group rallied around her, and we were also there to cheer her on seven months after her accident as she ran a seven-mile race. That's what love does. Not too long ago, I was sitting down with Dana and just asked her, 
how? <laughs> Looking back on that season, how do you feel like not only did you survive it, but you thrived through that season? Not, not just the, the physical recovery that she experienced, the pain and the setbacks that she experienced, but also the emotional, the mental, and even the spiritual difficulties that she experienced and endured through that recovery. How did you do that? And her answer was quick and clear. It was prayer and love. Prayer and love. And she said, this group loved me through it. This group loved me through that season. And that is the power of love. That's the power of being in a group. The importance of why we encourage everybody to get into community. That's the power of everybody pulling around because not just one person could have helped this family through such a time. It's hook that community. But I bet that the, the same is also true for each of us. We can all look back on some of those darkest seasons of our lives and think, wow, how did that not do me in? And I bet for most of us, if not all of us, at least in part, the answer is love. That's the power of love leaning in to our greatest challenges. Love sees us through. So yes, we can certainly look back at this list that Paul has given us, and it does feel intimidating to love in such a way. It does feel like it is unattainable. But the beautiful thing is what we have been discovering through this series is the power of love. And especially in week one, when Pastor Jonathan took us through an incredibly important passage through 1 John chapter four, this critical passage that is now on the walls of our lobbies in both of our locations that are so critical and crucial to who we are as a church body that we love because Christ first loved us. Because God first loved, then we are able to put love first. And we also discover through those words that, that God is love and that he expresses his love for us through other people. And that ultimately he took every bit of his love and he encompassed it into the person of Jesus Christ. So that when he was here through his ministry, his life, his death, burial and resurrection, then we get a glimpse of what perfect love looks like. We have that opportunity to experience it and receive it. And it, we're also told as hard as it is to understand, that when we do, when we accept and receive that free gift of, of Christ's love for us, that we become one with him, that Christ is then in us. That power of his love is not just for us, but it is in us. And that is how I think that we can also go back to that same, the same scripture that we looked at just a little bit ago, where Paul defines love for us. And in order for us to be able to gain a better understanding of what love really is and the power of that love, but also to simultaneously be able to get a better understanding of who the person of Jesus Christ is. We can take just a moment and relook at that again. And this time, a little bit differently. Everywhere that it said love, let's replace it just temporarily with the name of Jesus. 
Let's, let's see what that feels like. Because this tells us that Jesus is patient and kind, right? All throughout scripture, everywhere we see him experienced and expressed, he is patient and kind, meeting people where they are. And Jesus is not jealous or boastful. If any human had the right to be boastful, it was Jesus, nor was he proud or rude. He does not demand his own way. No, Jesus gives us free will. He gives us the invitation to follow him and then we have the opportunity, the option to accept it or not. He is not irritable, not easily angered, and he keeps no record of being wronged. Thank goodness for that. It goes on. He does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And then here, where Paul raises the bar on what love is, at least in my mind, it, now it starts to make a little bit more sense, all these words of absolutes, because this is true. Jesus is the perfect form of love because he never does give up. He never loses faith. Jesus is always hopeful and he endures through every circumstance. You see, when we look at it this way, we recognize that love isn't soft or fluffy. It's not some sidebar that we get to choose every now and then. No, it is intimately integrated in our lives. That love is bold and fierce. And if it endures through every circumstance, that means it's also stubborn and tenacious when it needs to be. Because all of us have obstacles. When we realize it or when we don't, we all put up obstacles to love. Sometimes it's envy or jealousy Maybe it's just some past hurts that we've had or fears or insecurities. Maybe it's a bias or a prejudice that we experience. But see, when we choose to let love lean in, love bulldozes every single one of those obstacles that try to stand in its way, no matter the circumstance. You see, my friend Dana is so easy to love. She is so easy to love. And I hope for your sakes, I hope that your lives are filled with Dana's. But the truth is, some people in our lives, we all have people in our lives that are not easy to love, that are challenging, that are more difficult to love. But love still prevails. And I have this five word phrase. It's a prayer that I remind myself of, especially when I'm stepping into a difficult circumstance, maybe someone that I find a little difficult to love, maybe even sometimes a little difficult to like. It's this five word simple prayer that I can remind myself of this and pray this prayer. And it's simply this, that Christ in me loves you. Because remember, when we accept Him, that means that we are one with Him. There is no separating us. That Christ is with us. That also means that when Christ is in me, that I can ask Him to remind me, okay, this person that I'm about to encounter, give me your eyes for her. Give me your love for Him. Because I may be struggling with Him. We may struggle to get along at times, but God, I know when I, Pray this prayer. It's the reminder that you died, you lived for this person. 
And that's the power of using this expression. For you, maybe it's someone, a coworker of yours that y'all struggle to get along with. You just seem to buck heads. And so tomorrow, this week, when you are stepping into your workplace, remind yourself of this prayer. Okay, Christ and me loves you. Maybe it's an ex-spouse that you are co-parenting with and it's a struggle. And so you have to remind yourself, okay, Christ in me loves you. Maybe for you, it, it could be a harsh parent that you're gonna sit down at the dinner table with and they seem so difficult to please, but okay, Christ in me loves you. That's the power of that. If it endures through every circumstance that we can remind ourselves that this is someone that Christ loves and died for. Okay, Christ, I I accepted and I receive your love. So I need it to channel through me because I'm gonna mess this up otherwise. Maybe, maybe for you, it's a neighbor, a neighbor that lives a completely different lifestyle than you someone who looks different or worships different or even votes differently than you. And you struggle to understand them, struggle struggle to even agree with them. But that's the power of love leaning in. See, love doesn't ask us to agree. Love doesn't even ask us to understand each other. The power of love is that it pushes through that. And then when we do, When we do choose to push through that, you see, love is not about the person that is the recipient. At that point, love is the expression of the heart of God, not the expression of the merit of the recipient. We don't have to understand. We don't have to agree. Love chooses to show up. Love chooses to lean in anyway. It's the power of love. It's the reflection of the heart of God, not a reflection of the merit of the recipient because it endures through all things and all circumstances, no matter who it is that we are encountering. Christ in me loves you. It's powerful. It helps us to remember that that is available to us, again, no matter who it is that we are encountering. Throughout the series, we have been encouraging you, encouraging ourselves, challenging ourselves to start a specific conversation based on what we have been learning together. And so I wanna leave you with a challenge, a challenge to consider someone that you need to start an encouragement conversation with this week. Who is your who? I bet you already know, maybe someone has already come to mind just throughout our time together, someone that is maybe experiencing a celebration that you need to lean in and celebrate that person with encouragement and words of affirmation and like, hey, I see you and I'm excited for you. Maybe it's a challenge, someone that you know is going through a difficult season and they need the reminder that they are not alone, no matter who it is that we have that power of Christ to work through us. Who do you need to start an encouragement conversation with this week? The beauty is, again, that we have that power available to us. All we have to do is ask. In fact, let's do that together right now. 
Father God, we love you. We are so, so grateful for your love for us. As hard as it is sometimes for us to even get our minds around, God, that the power of your love for us is available. Thank you for these words from Paul. And he was writing to those early Christians and for us. This reminder too, God, that you, we can choose to put love first in the present, no matter the circumstances, simply because you loved us first. So God, would you illuminate in our hearts, in our minds, in our path this week, who do you want us to step into and start an encouragement conversation with this week? God, would you give us the wisdom to know who that is and maybe a multitude of people? Would you give us the courage? Would you not let us leave this behind and unsaid? Help us to to meet someone where they are with patience and kindness. God, I can only imagine, I can only imagine the difference that it can make if every single one of us chose to do that this coming week. Give us the courage, give us the wisdom, give us the who that we need to start that conversation with. God, help us to be a light. Help us to shine your light, to be a light in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen.